happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts, where your daily dose of cricket, handicapping, and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Andy Molitor. And it was quite the sweat yesterday, Andy, for everybody but the team at Betsperts Golf. Do you want to tell the world why? Yeah, especially Noonan. Noonan, well, we had it surrounded, and um, it's funny because uh, I think Reed, our CEO, was doing some traveling. I'm not sure he was catching all the end of it. And he texts, like, well, who who are we cheering for? Who's best for us? Because he doesn't know who we have in our outright cards after a full week of meetings and getting stuff ready for high-level stuff. So I say, because Ron had a few outrights and uh, Ryan had a couple, I said, anyone but Mito would be great for us. And as it went on and on, it just looked like Mito was going to win. So never cheer against a guy, but as far as lining our pockets, it was a good biff. Um, a friend of the show, Jeff Feinberg, had a pretty big Mito ticket that would have been nice for him to cash, but he also had Zal and JT. So it was not heartbreaking as as heartbreaking as it was for some. So good job, too. Yeah, Noonan had Justin Thomas and Zalatoris pre-tournament. So I've never, I don't, I'm not sure if he has ever had that either. I know I've never had both men in a, in a uh, playoff before. As no, the the ultimate, ultimate no sweat. That playoff is like the one time you can actually hedge, depending, you know, bet sizes or uh, limits on that is sometimes a little tricky to get down enough if you want to truly hedge a really long outright, but uh, neither of them were massive outrights, so good for him. And then Ron, uh, had, as he does, he saves a couple units for the tournament, and he live bets uh, JT on Thursday or Friday. At twenty-seven to one for uh, oh, I love that three quarters of a unit he put on that live outrights uh, something everyone should be digging into it if yeah if you want to check out the Discord over there he's putting anything he plays in the Discord as well on uh, on the Sports Golf Discord and yeah he had JT top ten and twenty and our friend Paige Spronic who has not not cashed in outright but for some reason her positional betting stuff always wins. She had JT top 10 last week and top 20 this week. So cashed on him a couple weeks in a row. And uh, Patrick Reed top 40. Basically anything she says top positional spots, those seem to win. Uh, first round leader stuff isn't going as hot for her. But yeah, check it out, betsportsgolf.com. I'll have to see on my week. I haven't. I'm, it's Monday. I'm doing <laughs> housekeeping. Good. Yeah, I'm doing tallying. Uh, my... You do have a Mito uh, bet that cash. I'm curious to see. Maybe we'll have to ask Luke. I mean, I wonder what kind of Mito tickets were were flying around on PropSwap. I wonder if some people were able to cash in some of those 400s before even the last round. Because, I mean, he teed off the the pretty prohibitive favorite. Yeah. That was a – he touched minus 200 at times during the – you know, at the round and then late, obviously he was pretty big favorite, but my God, it was, uh, yeah, the, the free bets article we do our best bets of the week. We pick, everybody picks one. I've tried to keep those realistic because I hate to give like one free bet and for it to be like 80 to one underdog wins the tournament kind of thing. So I try to find something I feel is really safe and boy, did I go safe this week? Cause it was Mito to top 40. I'm not sure he ever left the top 10. So that cashed easily. That was about even money. Nice, safe, easy stuff getting there. And yeah, I'll, I'll do my final tally. Although I did have a stretch there where I didn't lose a matchup for like two and a half days. Um, all my daily matchups on 
Friday and Saturday one. I think I had five and zero, six and zero in that stretch. So it's always it's always nice when just you're not paying attention as much because I wasn't Friday and Saturday, and you go look at your scores, be like, oh, all my guys are up. It's nice <laughs> to check the score and be like, oh, my guys up by six strokes with like three to play. This is uh, this is what I needed to see when I pulled the phone up. But we'll be back at it again with the Charles Schwab invite. We'll talk about that in a second, but be remiss. Charles Schwab invite. Charles Schwab challenge. Challenged. Challenge, not an invite. You can't get invited. You can Better. get challenged. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, NBA was weird. I don't know why the Mavericks. Maybe we should, let's just start on that. Is it is it Luka just not getting enough help? Is that is it as simple as that? Down 3-0, and he is the best player in the world right now. It it really is difficult. I do want to go back and watch the game again to kind of pull apart what happened. I mean, the first game, Dallas did not seem locked in. They were not fully focused on what was going on. Um, you know, you look at yesterday's game, again, from a high-level stat perspective, we always start to look at, you know, the shooting percentages. And the Mavericks only 13 for 45 from three. I mean, if they can sink – you know, even three, four more of those. Now that, you know, their game is tied, they're winning that game in a lot more position. So the three-point shooting is really tough. And um, Golden State actually out-rebounded them um, from the offensive board's perspective, picks up, you know, seven extra possessions there. And although Golden State had four more turnovers, you're looking at an extra three possessions in the game, Golden State just shooting better. And it's really just been the story, honestly, the playoffs and this series too. It's you're looking for the team that's going to either have a really great shooting performance or a really bad one, if you will. And last night it was the Mavericks. I mean, for them to shoot 45 threes and still only make 13, that's such a large enough sample size that they should at some point get over 30%, just given how good they are. It's so, again, I'm not trying to say it's variance or whatever. The Golden State Warriors are very good, but I do want to go back and, and look at it again and it's tough. I mean, they're down 3-0. No team has ever come back from this. And I just, you know, I don't see Golden State doing that. So it's mentally, it's tough. I'm sure that they will be a fun team to bet maybe in game four, but feels like it's kind of, you know, we're done. Yeah, it does feel over. 3-0 and is a, that's a death sentence for the most part. Someday, somewhere, somebody might, but Christ, that's hard to win four games in a row. And I mean, you're right. It's not all variants. Golden State is good, but you throw a good team in with a little bit of variance and it's going to be hard to beat them. So especially you can say, Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's better than the NFL playoffs. We get a seven game series, like, you know, four to seven games is still not a very big sample size. And you can have some, some horrible, you know, what do you want? Whatever you want to call it, just negative variance in a few spots where your turnover rates higher and your three point shootings a little lower. And <laughs> there you go. Four games and head back home, get some golf tee times figure it out, come back in the fall. So that one, uh, yeah, it does feel over. The other one, far from over, as we have the Heat winning. That game was surprising. Honestly, the game going over was annoying. I ended up tailing some <laughs> the, uh, under on that. And the, the live total, when it went off the board, was like 199. I mean, to, to, get that, to get that many points, it was a true college game. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the availability of a couple players in this one. And then the fact that, uh, you have the Celtics at home down here, like it just kind of screams everybody and their sister's gonna, the public wise is gonna just hammer the Boston Celtics because they're the balls, right? That's what we keep hearing in that video that's floating around quite a bit. And gosh, I do. I'm annoyed at Boston people on accent, but it really is funny. And if you don't know what we're talking about, just, you know, search Boston as the balls and 
maybe do it on incognito in case that turns up something that's bad. But yeah. it's been a fun series. And what really impressed me by Miami was we've seen teams really struggle with players going out there in the middle of games and, you know, to lose kind of Butler like that for the end of the game, to have Hero not really available and, and then to still come out on top has been spectacular. I mean, what Miami's been able to do defensively is what really good defensive teams have been able to do during the Cel- do against the Celtics in periods. I mean, when they really get down to it with Tatum and Brown, you can force them into positions where they're playing a lot of isolation basketball because that's really what those guys want to do, and, and Spolster's done a great job of that. You go back and look at the games here. I mean, Miami wins game one pretty comfortably. Um, really nothing there that, that Boston did better on that particular night. The second game, Boston comes out and just absolutely blows them away. Boston shoots 51% from the field, 50% from three with 40 attempts. So, again, just kind of a tough night there. And things kind of normalized a little bit. Boston still played a good game. They did shoot better than Miami. But, again, not 50% on 40 attempts. And um, Miami was able to just – you know, keep the turnovers down. Now, I think Boston will be a little bit better, but I, I think that the line on this has just floated out too far. I don't know why there hasn't really been much of an adjustment for what we've seen. I think Miami has looked better overall and um, grabbed six and a half earlier. We're seeing six just before the show. I think that's fine. I'm now seeing six and a half again. So actually it just moved to seven. Um, I guess looks like the Tyler Hero news being out is, is oh. moving this. So I'm fine with that. I actually assumed Tyler Hero was out when I looked at this earlier. I mean, at the end of the day, it looks like Butler is going to play. He said he was going to play. There's you know, no reason for me to think he's not going to be on the floor. Tyler Hero is out. Um, I guess as Marcus Smart plays, curious to see if they you know try to bring Time Lord in and try to integrate him during a tough series when he hasn't played a, a lot. I mean, as someone that likes the heat in the situation, I kind of want to see him out there. I think Miami will find a way to attack him, um, kind of being rusty and not really knowing what's going on. And Again, this number just looks too big to me. And if it keeps going, I mean, I grabbed six and a half earlier. For some reason, this gets to eight. I'll add on some more. Um, just looks like a really good spot overall. And I think Miami is just kind of taking control of this series. And as good, again, as Tatum and, and Brown are, it, they're just not enough to make up for the depth, again, that Miami has. And just how good of a job Spo has done making this series difficult. So I'm going to keep taking the heat at, at numbers like this. Well, and, I mean, wasn't the hero stuff – kind of known he was listed as questionable and i think a lot of people thought he was out so yeah that's yeah, what i'm surprised because it, yeah, it moved it the a... points which maybe that's i don't know I, I wonder if something else is floating around but or maybe people setting something up i don't know I, it felt like it was assumed he was out for like you know like maybe an 80 20 the way just the way i heard people talk so it is always interesting to see something like that where you think a player is likely out and then he's announced out in the market moves anyway so goes to speak of the, the type of people that are betting it, I guess. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, just as a casual, you know, I'll put my tinfoil hat on. This would be an absolutely perfect time to do a head fake. You know, if you're someone that was trying to do something like that, it's pretty, yeah. I guess this line's been up for a while and maybe limits are a little more established, but you know, you could probably hide a head fake here around some news if you wanted to come back on Miami a little bit later. So I don't know if that's what's going on. I'm curious to see if this is kind of a blip. If it bumps to seven and goes right back down to six, maybe that's what's going on, but it, likely to hear on news. Fair, fair. All right. Um, so I'll, I guess I'm grabbing a seven. Here we go. But, uh, and you know what? I have a Celtics series price, so I mm-hmm. hope they win by one, two, six points. <laughs> somewhere in there. That would be awesome. We could thread that needle. And it's one of those two where I have a Celtics series price. I will never never be happier to lose a ticket. Like I never, I don't have allegiances. I don't 
like cheer for teams really. But once in a while, there's teams where it's like, yeah, if they lost and I lost money, the, it'd still be worth it to see Boston be sad on the timeline. Just because, uh, and there's, I love a lot of people from Boston. I know a lot of nice folks, but as a rule, in general, it is fun to watch uh, watch Boston get angry. I don't know why. I it just maybe the success and how we did live uh, during a surprisingly long run of annoying Boston success between yeah. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots, between the Red Sox going from never winning the World Series to winning it every other year. You know, the Celtics somehow just, making that Simmons. absurd trade and getting a title. It's, the it's Bruins probably, apparently were good. It's got to be like 80% Bill Simmons, why I hate Boston. And I love Boston. I went to Boston. Loved it. Went to the Encore. Had some good food. Went to Nantucket. The whole area. Just great. But, yeah, maybe it's just Bill Simmons hate because just guy bothers me. Either way, let's go. Heat by losing by less than – Less than seven tonight. That would be lovely. I just bet it. So uh, PGA heads to back to Texas, kind of by TCU. This is where this course is. One of the nine places that people call Hogan's Alley. You can look that up, uh, various courses. And is it related to Hogan's Heroes in any way? It's it's not, although there is a heavy German population, I believe. Oh, there Ben is a, Hogan. Ben Hogan. Ben Hogan won this, like, a bunch of times in a row back in the Ben Hogan days. It's a good course. It's a good field. I think a lot of people are beholden to the, for some sponsorship stuff, but uh, the week after a major, it is still a decent field. You may see a couple withdrawals yet, but otherwise, I mean, looking at the top of the board, Scheffler, Thomas, be interesting to see if Thomas actually plays. I haven't seen the withdrawals yet, but it's still only Monday morning. Spieth, Morikawa, Hovland, Zal, Homa Burns, Fleetwood and Abram answer. So a bunch of fun names there. And it's a different, different kind of course, definitely from the test we saw last week where similar to Potomac, it's like, Hey, they came out firing and we think, is this course actually that hard? And then the, you know, the final scores end up sub 10 again, or sub uh, less than 10 under uh, single digits under par again, despite what we saw early in the week. So not as tough of a course, Shorter, the driving distance won't matter as much here. You'll have some kind of, what do you want to call it, target golf, where you, you need to hit your spots. If you hit your spots, you're going to be just fine. You're going to score. So guys who are accurate, you know, with their first and second shots and can kind of put things where they need them, need them to be on the regular are going to have a lot of scoring opportunities here. It's a fun watch. I have not bet anything yet, although there are some Sam Burns prices that are way higher than what FanDuel has right now. 35 I saw in the market for someone. Uh, that was what his price got bet down to last week, essentially, at a major. So Sam Burns at anything over 30 is a look for me. I'm waiting for a few more books to populate. I'm going to look at a few other guys, but Christ, it might just be if Scotty Scheffler wants to play the game he's played before he took a little time off, he might just run away with this one. It's a it's a track he can crush. Obviously, Spieth is familiar with it being from down here. JT out. I, I really don't understand why. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, should you be grabbing outrights today, knowing that maybe a couple guys bounce? That's Yeah, exactly. Good point, Alex. It's like looking at that 12 to 1, he's taking up like, what, 8% of the win equity in the pot. If somebody like Justin Thomas were to pull out, they would have to make some adjustments for some numbers. So if you do like somebody, maybe run, don't walk this week or today because there might be some withdrawals. 
worst and it's one of those worst case scenario you have the number you have like I, there's not a lot of downside mm -hmm. to grabbing something early if you've done your research and you you know who you like at this point so grab some guys i, I can dig it that's all i look to do i'll, I'll poke around and it, maybe try to get the the bed spreads golf show maybe i'll just skip the show tomorrow and watch you on bed spreads golf so i get how all many, the things and stuff in i'll get you the crib notes uh how many more matches does Iga need to win uh, she needs to win six more, one down, six to go. And uh, producer Dan had a pretty funny tweet. He pointed out the way it was worded. It seemed disappointment that she dropped two games in her match today. Again, um, generally players lose seven, eight games when they lose a match. Um, she only lost two. Just continues to look great. And we'll see. It's going to be a long tournament. I hope she just, you know, gets get some fatigue in here before she hits Sabalenka and gets herself prepared to lose there. I'm just I'm trying to will this into existence, Andy. It's got to happen. I mean, it probably won't. She probably just pins and we'll cash all our parlays, and that's fine. But That's fine. Too. <sighs> yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the one ticket I bet that has a cash-out option at that book, uh, I, I mentioned that it's, it's already offering, uh, like, what is it, about a sixth of my stake back? Like my entire stake plus yeah. a sixth of it, you know, like right. it just like yeah, well, we'll just pay you to take this off. It's fine. You, you've already won. You've beat you beat the number. So I hope she uh, continues to play well. I uh, I'm ready to see her just dominate it again. It's fine, but there's a lot of other matches going on, and you've got some uh, as is tradition when there's a lot of matches. I think this is, I think this is a thing when there is a major, when there isn't. Um, you know, when, when we're at this point in the tournament, early in the tournament, and there's a ton of matches, it's the same thing people say about college basketball Saturdays or March Madness. It's like the books have to price a shitload of matches at a high level. It's not just like there's a lot of matches because there's an ITF, you know, shit tournament going on. Like there's a bunch of big matches, and it seems like you end up with a lot of bigger underdogs at these points in the bigger tournaments like this. Is it fair to say you just think? Sometimes the pricing isn't as good early on in a major like this for some of these underdogs. It's a, it's a lot of different things working together. I think you start with big names when there's more public betting versus lesser known names. Um, you combine that too. with a little bit of parlay protection. I mean, I've seen people that I know that generally don't bet tennis a lot, posting tennis parlays and stuff, sending things to me and right, wrong or different. I think books know, you know, historically that's what's going to happen. And then, you have this perception that because it's a bigger event, these these players are going to try harder um, because they care and there's more money at stake. And there is even just a little bit too where I think that, not that people forget that WTA matches are only three sets versus five, but there's so much talk in general about how much certainty there is in the men's side because of this best of five. I think that confidence spills over a little bit. And all those things kind of come together and into what seemed to be some good opportunities. I mean, had a nice one today. Um, Donka Kovinic won for us. is a pretty big underdog against Samsonova, who, again, Samsonova, really solid player, higher ranked, someone, you know, um, who has a solid name. And even if, you know, you look back, it's okay. She had success at a clay event earlier this year. Great. Why wouldn't she just cover this as a big favorite? But you look, I believe it was Madrid. That's an event played at altitude. It's much more... Um, it's a much better opportunity for her in the way that she likes to play. Whereas you come here, it's completely different. It's slow. It's outdoors. It really just kind of messes things up. So I think it's just a lot of people coming in with maybe again, 
um, not the right perceptions, but yeah, definitely. And when you look at these slams, I go back, um, I have a lot more picks during the slams and a lot more kind of these underdog stacks that we see. No, it makes sense. That was good. I think you nailed a bunch of different points. I didn't think of there. It's, yeah, it's, you got to think of all that stuff and not the tennis isn't the most efficient market in the world, but sometimes with all the different things going on in the world, it's maybe not the best kept um, thing that books often pay attention to. So a lot of times you poke around again, line shop. This is a great sport for line shopping. There are various levels of, again, attention that, that books pay to some of these lines. So I think you get into that. I think you get into the way that people bet it. There's a lot of reason for, you know, books to try to maybe juice the favorites a little more than they might normally. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. What's it? So who's the nasty underdogs today? Um, today, let's see. We got actually one pick left today. We have Greet Minim plus six. I believe that's underway or starting shortly. Um, we need that to cash for a small profit on the day. Did pretty good on Saturday. Um, I forget who the underdog that was hit on Saturday, but um, just had maybe it was just spreads. I can't remember if we got a money line yesterday, but solid start, and we'll keep going here. Double check. I believe I gave all of these out on Friday. Again, we're still in the first round here with kind of the split up start and. Um, nothing yet um, for Wednesday, which is the beginning of the second round that stuck out to me. But So you might have these in already. Double check, but we'll start with Baptiste. Plus five games. We'll take the money line there as well. Um, she goes up against um, Angelina Kalanina, someone who is a pretty solid clay player who has had a good run, but just don't see the difference in the, in the data, um, in the performances between both of these players to, to generate a, no, a number so big. I mean, I have this closer to plus 250, almost plus 240. Um, Kalanina recently beat Muguruza and has really just kind of had a really down period since then. I don't know what it is. Maybe just kind of the big exhale after getting that big win or uh, the market over adjusting a little bit. But just this number looks off to me. I'd have it closer to four and, and 250. So happy to grab that money line in the spread. Rakamova Krunic, um, thought about maybe going over two and a half sets here, just didn't really love the price. Um, happy to just take the over 20 and a half, which I got a decent number. If you want to take 21, that's fine too. This match should be just a mess to watch. There's going to be breaks back and forth. If you happen to be around while it's on, look to live bet uh, whoever's down a break to win the set 7-5. It's just going to be a mess of a match. Um, Corne Doy, similar thought about um, looking at the over two and a half sets, but instead, let me just take the 19 and a half. And I found an over 21 at plus 130. So look for maybe an alt over there. I expect there to be a very long first set. Now, it's been a little tougher over so far because we've had some really quick sets. If you go and look at some of the scores, there's a lot of uh, breadsticks and bagels and even six twos floating around in there. But I think this match is one we're going to see again, maybe a seven five, even a tiebreaker. And that's enough to get us over the 19 and a half and maybe even the 21. And then Bronzetti, just the money line here. I'm not going to take the spread. She goes up against Ostapenko, and there's really three outcomes here. Bronzetti yeah. somehow wins, Ostapenko loses, or Ostapenko beats the absolute pants off of her. So let's just take the money line here and you know, kind of lean on those situations where Bronzetti either has a good day today, which is possible. She's been playing some nice tennis, is starting to build her level a little bit, or Ostapenko just continues to do what we've seen since her hot start to the season, just been lose, just flat out not you know play well. So um, – Again, we'll roll with the money line there instead of the spread. Where's the best place to stream this? If, let's say, I realize there's a shitload of men's tennis on, and I kind of want to put my TV on now. Like, Varenka's playing Mute. Um, there's a couple half-decent matches. Nadal's, you know... This question makes me sad because tennis... It's hard. 
it's no longer on ESPN, and not that I love ESPN, but they did a great job with ESPN Plus making all this stuff available. It's hypothetically on NBC and Peacock, but I went to watch yesterday on Peacock while they were playing tennis, and there was only one or two matches I could watch that weren't even on. I had to wait till the afternoon to watch those. and So that's the coverage, and I think Tennis Channel has a bunch of it, but again, the way Tennis Channel works is you've got the Tennis Channel station, which you have to buy through your cable, and then Tennis Channel everywhere, which tennis you have to buy TV. separately. So... Um, not that I'm saying that you should maybe Google some stuff and, and try to find some things. And again, maybe find a laptop you don't use a lot and open an incognito window and stuff, but definitely don't not, 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 not stream these matches illegally because it's a huge pain in the ass to do it the right way. Yeah. I was just kind of getting to that. So I will go to my illegal streaming site and watch some tennis then. Just wanted to know if I had it on the, cause like what ESPN does with golf where they have like, Hey, hey here's a major tournament. We have 19 different things to click on yeah but when they did that with tennis that was lovely but it stinks they don't have it anymore so yeah, check we peacock will, we'll, check nbc we'll if you're one of the people peacock. that pays too much to have tennis channel it's probably on there but it's a pain unfortunately Pe- yeah peacock is the nut low <laughs> just it doesn't work right it never has what it says it's gonna have i've been pretty sad about that one because it was a decent idea so all right well we'll call her a day we'll be back tomorrow more picks hijinks electric analysis on the PGA tour by me where I didn't actually bet anyone today. I did kind of bet Sam Burns, but uh, so thanks to the sponsor fan dual Sportsbook. links in the description. If you want to take advantage of whatever their promo is this week, it's usually just like five bucks to win 150 on something easy. So go get your, uh, go get your bonus hunting on guys.